0: Hey guys, welcome back to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we dive deep into stories of Asian entrepreneurs around the world. Be sure to check out our book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, and check out our directory and marketplace at AsianHustleNetwork.com. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. If you like this podcast, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Bonnie Chung Sarkeesian. Bonnie is the owner and founder of Buy Bonnie Jewelry, a luxury diamond jewelry boutique located in the San Francisco Bay Area. As an Asian American immigrant, female entrepreneur, and working mother, she sees the world through a wide lens and finds the industry to be male-dominated and lacking a feminine touch. In her words, luxury is supposed to be about how a product or service makes you feel. That's what's missing in the big box retail sector. We focus on every single detail from the craftsmanship and engineering of our jewelry to how it makes a person feel when they put it on whether it's a gift from a loved one an engagement ring or a treat yourself moment that single piece of jewelry is part of a person's journey that they can take with them throughout the rest of their lives by taking people's stories inspirations energy and mixing it with my passion for diamonds and meticulous craftsmanship that's what makes by bonnie's pieces so unique bonnie welcome to the show
1: Thank you so much, Meg. It's such an honor. I've been part of the groups from the beginning. So this is really, really exciting for me.
0: Yeah, I know. You have really seen the beginnings of AHN, and we're so grateful to have you be so involved with the community, share your story, and just excited that you're on the podcast today. So let's get right into it, Bonnie. We'd love to know, how was your upbringing like? Where were you born and raised? And talk about what that experience was like while you were growing up
1: yeah i'm so i'm born raised in hong kong originally some of people some of the people that are listening might actually already know my channel or what i do because i have a lot of asian fan base because there's not a lot of asian jewelers out there talking about jewelries and diamonds in general so whenever i start making videos people are like oh my god need to listen to her and what she has to say so my family basically uh you know the typical story you know hard-working parents uh you know growing up poor had nothing and then my dad was a hardcore entrepreneur so he just like he went from driving trucks like two shifts and barely sleeping just raising me and my brother so I definitely come from a very humble background um so when my dad so my dad at some point was manufacturing movements for watches so I don't know if you know like Japanese brands like Seiko Citizen so he used to manufacture the piece inside So I've always been fascinated by watches and how all those mechanical things worked. And then over the years, he just told me like, okay, someday you should just, you know, get into, you know, the family business, so on and so forth. So this is kind of how, where, you know, everybody just says, okay, uh, at I, I immigrated to the U.S. when I was 13 by myself, and family there or people there always, you know, say like, "Oh, just send your kid overseas and they'll get a better education." And this is kind of like how all of those people that I knew were in the same group. They w- were either go to UK or Australia or the U.S. This is kind of where all the hotspots are, and that's kind of where my journey started. Was when I left my parents at 13 and then came to this country alone, and I had to do everything. I was staying with just what what they call host family at the time. And I went through a lot of just coming, landing in a completely new country by myself. And I landed in, portland oregon and so let me tell you portland from 20 years ago is not what it is today it's very like back in the day it's very racist like just very just white dominated and i didn't fit in so i went through a lot of just hardship being here alone at that age and then i moved out when i was 15 because the the living situation was just not ideal and it's just like this whole craziness but anyway fast forward all of that and now i you know i graduate well finished my graduate degree in gemology. So now I'm a senior graduate gemologist. So I do a lot of diamond gradings. This is what I do for a living. So a lot of like Asian fans are like, oh you know I want to see like how you grade all the diamonds and all the sparkly things and rings and of course having a female that they get to talk to instead of just like your regular I don't know whatever other people that you meet at a jewelry store usually are older or they're not as in tune as like what the trends are and styles are so that kind of really bridged the gap between what's lacking in the jewelry industry so I ended up not going back home. Actually, I went back home for a couple of years and then I had cancer because I was so stressed out from all the Asian parents. Like you got to do this and you got to do that. And you're going to like, just have really controlling parents. Of course, you know that they want the best for you, but they don't really know how to express that. I feel like Asian parents are really bad at that and just tell you, do this, do that. And you're, and I'm very Americanized at that point. So I'm taking it as, Oh, get out of my life. Don't do this. Don't control me. So I'm kind of like the black sheep of the family where I ended up leaving home. And that's when everything just turned sour where they're like, we're not talking to you anymore and you're on your own, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah. And then I, I don't know, I came back to the U S and I just said, I'll start over. I'll drive Uber. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, and then I started selling diamonds at Starbucks and (laughs) just like showing meeting, like just picking up like random customers at the bar and then I were like hey are you interested in buying a ring like where's your girlfriend and then I just started like doing that and then they were like okay like that's cool and then I didn't have a place so I started selling them diamonds at Starbucks and I was a part of this really big motorcycle group in the Bay Area because I used to ride motorcycle and then they would have all these biker friends and I didn't have anywhere to show them diamonds and they would want to buy rings. so I was like hey like you want to go to shop and like here's my friend's motorcycle shop with all the chains and the dirty oils and the tires and then I'm just like okay let me like just move all of those dirty bottles and things and show you something really luxury and sparkly <laughs> and that pile of just stuff and it worked I don't know maybe it's because they felt comfortable with me something about the way I explained things and then just one ring one project turned into another and then i you know, spoke to my dad years later, I say, Hey, I'm opening my store, I made, it, (laughs) you know, they couldn't believe it. They were like, no way, like, there's no way, like, you know, you needed our help, and you didn't get any. And now you're like, doing this. And I honestly, kind of surprised because I've been immersed in the industry for a long time. After I graduated, I just worked in the industry many years working for other people learning about gems, learning about diamonds, and it just swimming in pools of knowledge of everything that I've learned. And then just pulling that all together after the cancer recovery, and doing all that. So now I'm serving clients in 43 states of this country, we just hit congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Last week. And uh, we sell to the world. We have clients all over Asia, Europe. Uh, Our clientele is just everywhere. Anyone. And people fly all over the world for our jewelry. Like I had this couple from London. I had people coming from Norway, from France, just for this 5 on experience. So I'm definitely really proud of how we've grown. And this is kind of where my journey started. Wow. What a story, Uh, Bonnie.
0: That is incredible. And congratulations on all of your success. You have definitely come such a long way. And first of all, I'm so sorry to hear about you having cancer. I hope things are better now. Yeah,
1: probably seventh or eighth year in remission. I'm going to stop counting after a while.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you're doing better. And it's amazing to hear that. I know that your family, as well as your husband's family have both been in the fine jewelry industry yeah. for a long time, but yeah. to hear you actually say you really did it by yourself and you were so independent coming to America and really fending for yourself at such a young age, right? Um, yeah. And, and it's w- a
1: scary world. Yeah, scary it
0: is. World. It definitely is. I yeah. want to know just like going back and forth, you moved from Hong Kong to Portland, Oregon, and then you went back to Hong Kong and then moved back to America. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: And so just with all of those transitions, how was it like for you? Did you have a hard time navigating just going back and forth? And did you have a hard time figuring out your identity? And just with all of those changes, it can become very hard. And can you tell us a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, so with all the moves and all the changes in my life, I mean, I went to three different high school for four-year education. Uh, just being everywhere, you definitely can't make any lifelong friends. People say, you meet your lifelong friends when you're young. And I've been moving around so much. And even when I was in Hong Kong, my family was moving back and forth in different places. So I was like, oh, I'll go to this school for two years and then I'll go to... There was no real stable, like any stability for my life. And And then when I came here, I was desperate for stability. I was desperate for a home. I was desperate for a family relationship but it was really difficult for me to get any because i was alone and at 13 and alone in this country it's a scary world there was a lot of you know things that had happened and you know obviously i'm not gonna go into the detail of all the hardship but it's definitely difficult and now looking back i have a three year old child and i have this conversation with my husband all the time it's like i want my child to be diverse i want them to be cultured but i'm also very scared of ever putting my child through something that I went through, even though it did make me a very strong person because at 13, you're living in a foreign country. And by 15, I was living alone. Trust me, when I was 15, I the only way I was able to move out is I just went to a rave and I met a bunch of older people and I lied about my age. And I told them like, hey, I needed someone to sign my lease. I'll pay cash. Don't worry about it. And I found some 30-year-old guy that was like, hi. And I was like, sign my lease. because the landlord wouldn't give it to me because i wasn't 18 and just you know just a hustler finding ways to like get things done and i was taking the bus to school every day and i'm from sf so everyone's left from the bay area or san francisco proper there's a street gary street which is a very known street in sf you just go up and down i used to take the 38 bus and you know, I would have to go to school alone. All the kids would have like after ki- after school activity and I wouldn't have nothing because I would have to go home, take the bus to Safeway, grab food. And I have a backpack full of textbook and then I have to go home and get mugged on the bus because I had all these things and I was young and just all these hardship moving around and doing all that and figuring out like, what's my next meal going to be? Who's doing my laundry? Me. Like I... <laughs> And it wasn't until way later that I didn't know that I was doing laundry wrong for like 20 years. Like, I didn't know that you were supposed to put the software, I don't know, like halfway through or something like I had been just doing it wrong like this whole time. I didn't know until I was a fully like adult. I think until I had my kid that I really like found out because I was so busy just surviving and it, kicked into survival mode at 15 and just like, okay, I got to do this. I got to go to school. I got to still keep up good grades and have friends, but I didn't ha- really have any. So it was really hard to like keep any friendship. I think that was really the biggest part. And of course, surviving and just figuring out all these things. Yeah. If I got sick, like I, I I couldn't go to the hospital because I didn't have insurance. I would just be like, okay, I'll just hide out until something, until it just gets better. <laughs> I don't know. I never yeah. wanted to die. So uh, it was, I don't know. I, I mean, if you tell the story to anyone, like they would say that you're crazy. It's just like, I would never put my kid through that. And I went through all of that. And uh, I think it just, uh, I, I wasn't able, now thinking back, I don't think I was able to really enjoy my teenage life or childhood, I didn't have one. I was just an adult right away trying to figure out what to do. And obviously being taken advantage of in many circumstances in between, that would be the hardest part, I would say this whole process. Until yeah. Coming.
0: Yeah. Wow. wow. That's incredible. And especially in the big city too, you're living in San Francisco at 15 years old. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, it was a lot better back then, but in terms of cost of living and just the crime rate, but still San Francisco was still pretty expensive back then, and we're not the safest city, and there's a lot that goes on in San Francisco, and it can be a very scary place sometimes, especially as a young girl alone, all alone by herself, and I do feel when you are alone and you go through those experiences like you mentioning you going to a rave and finding a 30-year-old man who you didn't Mm. even know at the time and asking if you have a place to stay, like, yes, that is really risky. But at the same time, I feel like those experiences and just the putting yourself in risky situations, because you had to do it for your survival. It also makes you a stronger person. And you've gone through so many experiences that just give Mm -hmm. you tougher skin and thicker skin. And you've just gone through so much. And looking back, it's like, okay, yes, maybe you didn't learn how to do laundry until a later age. But it's okay that didn't hurt anybody like your clothes
1: were okay yeah just like a you know like throughout those years in the U.S. I would say I was fairly lucky that nothing really major happened like I didn't get to really bad accidents or anything I would say I was you know and I you have to be street smart at that point you know what I mean and I'm from Hong Kong and people in Hong Kong, like they move very fast and the kids are very just street smart because there's so many people, the population is like, oh, everywhere you go, you're just like trying to navigate like through things. And I think because of that, and my dad was such a hardcore entrepreneur, I think it's just all the years of telling me like, oh, you got to be independent, this and that really sunk into my brain. And when I was forced to be in the situation, it was it all the survival kit came out. Yeah. And
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, Yeah. and so you mentioned your dad was an entrepreneur. Growing up, did you always know that you were going to be an entrepreneur yourself? I noticed that you did mention in one blog post that you did or one article that you did that you Mm -hmm. said you studied entrepreneurship. I did. Yeah. And so I want to know, was it
1: something that you always knew that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or uh, was it something that
0: you kind of? Yeah, started?
1: I think it was half and half. I think the way that my dad had taught me, he was always a businessman, always an entrepreneur. He's like the definition of an entrepreneur. So I really took a lot from my dad. And, but I think what made me realize the turning point of when I'm like, okay, I did study entrepreneurship in college. And the real turning point is when I, when I came back from cancer, I think that was the real turning point in my life because Even before then, when I moved back to Hong Kong, you have, oh, I'm daddy's little girl. Maybe I'll just do whatever he says and then he'll just give me a good amount of money and I can just live. And then if I ever fall, he'll just sign off on things and then I'll be okay. I felt like I had much more of that attitude when I went back home and when I was next to them. And then when I found out how toxic and controlling that general environment was, I was like, okay, this is not working out. And then when I had the health, issue that on top of it, when you're staring four walls in, in the bed by yourself going through this after surgery, and everyone's like, you know, looking at you, and you don't know what's going on. They're like, Oh, yeah, you have cancer. Sorry. And you're just like, Oh, my God, this is happening. This is real. So I think the turning point really was that wake up call was like, Okay, what am I doing? What am I going to do? What am I really going to do? Like, am I really just going to be this daddy little girl and just be like, oh yeah, sure. He'll, you know, like Asian parents always tell you like, oh, go marry a rich guy and just be a housewife, whatever. That's what they always say. And then at that point I was like, okay, if I leave, what am I going to do with my life? And if I can't pay bills and I can't afford to get a place or eat, what am I going to do? And I just always thought, okay. People have told me that I'm good at jewelry. Like I'm just going to keep going and keep pursuing until I get to it. And I had a lot of failures. And When I opened my company, I said, okay, I had some good referrals and then went down for a little while and then COVID happened. I was like, that was like my second year of business at the beginning of COVID. I was like, oh, okay. My company's four years old. So I was like, shoot. When that happened, there was no business no one walking through the door. (laughs) And I was just like, at that point, I was really freaking out. And uh, I had gone on Facebook (laughs) and just had gone into every single forum that I can imagine. And that's when I landed at AHN. That's when I met, this is actually the other turning point of my life was AHN. I had met another member on the platform and we were just going through it. Like, oh, what should I do? And he's in a completely different, Feel He does like Amazon dropship. And I was like, okay, I don't know. I'll do anything. Tell me what to do. I was at the phase where I was like, okay, if I pay someone money, they'll tell me what to do. If I pay a marketing company, they'll just tell me what to do and I'll live, right? That was like what I was thinking. So I was throwing money, whatever savings I had at whatever marketing company. And it just wasn't working out. I was living a false like thing. And whatever I did with that member also didn't work out. He was like, yeah, it's just. Let me, let me help you copy my Amazon dropship method into your diamond, whatever. And it's like, hopefully it will work. Maybe yes or maybe no. And of course it didn't. But at the end, he was just like, you know what, Bonnie, I've been at so many Zoom meetings with you, so many FaceTime with you. Just turn on the camera, just do this. Just put it in front of it and just start talking. I was like, okay, I'm not that interesting. No one's going to want to watch what I have to say, but okay. It was just like basically putting me in an ice bucket of cold water and just say shut up and do it and so i shut up and i did it and first video i launched on online five views 10 views and then second video i was like oh you know what i don't know what i'm doing at all i'm so boring let me just research what other people are doing anyway so one video turned into another i just researched on. at one point i didn't even know what i was doing it's just like viewing someone's video i just copied like hello like this is da, 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 and just goodbye whatever and i was so nervous at one point one of the episode took me 80 hours to film because i had so many because i was so nervous uh, 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 so many stutter and like just nervous and i would mess it up 80 hours on just one and i was like okay i can't do this yeah and i was gonna give up and then when i posted that one video boom that was when it hit it was like oh people. Like COVID at home, they can't go shopping. So let's shop online. So now they're looking for information about diamonds on the internet. And I was making just educational video. I wasn't even like, hey, buy my diamond ring, type the coupon code. Like I am not about any of that. So I started making educational video. I said, this is what all my friends called me for. Hey, I need a pal. Hey, I need a friend. Hey, I need someone to tell me. And I became that pal, that friend to every single, whether it be female or male, they would just really want my advice because I've been in this industry for so long and just one after another and just became like creating stories, telling stories. That is what really blew up. And I told my story on your facebook channel and that blew up you would not imagine how many people reached out to me and said bonnie i had very similar experience as a child and i couldn't like and i can't believe that someone's speaking like you was speaking out like i could never tell my side all of those things that was posted about the story that i didn't even talk about jewelry i just put in a little plug in the end like hey i also said that besides this story And I think that the way that you guys started the platform was just incredible. You have no idea how many lives you've changed, how many lives, including myself. And I think that if I didn't have AHN at the time, at the lowest of my low, I don't think I'll be here today,
0: honestly. Oh, my gosh, Bonnie, I'm getting emotional. You give us too much credit, really. It's really because of you and all of the members and all of your amazing stories. And that's exactly why so many people resonate with all of your stories and all of the other members' stories, because it's so relatable. And, Mm -hmm. you know, other people have gone through similar experiences. And I want to thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story yeah. on the platform and how many lives you've touched within the community is immeasurable and I do yeah. want to talk about that a little bit no, you absolutely. you know took the time to share your story and that was your first time sharing your
1: story my first time wow. that is oh yeah and that, that time that I shared was also encouraged by the friend that I had met on yeah. on, on the on HN, Yeah, and he yeah. Told me just do it because everyone's so shy, right? Yeah. Every time it's like, oh, first time poster, long time lurking, like, you know, everyone everyone starts <laughs> their posts like Yes, that. yes. Everyone's, everyone's so shy about like talking, yeah. yeah about it's... Talking about their personal life yeah. to like, I don't know, like tens of thousands of strangers. Yeah. But I think that's I think that's the very first time that I publicly talked about the traumatic experience that I had in as a child. Yeah. And I it it was so raw mm-hmm. in a way where I've never said it out loud to anyone not my that fa- like none of my family knows and even now one day I'm like oh the post is old Like, I don't think any of my cousins gonna scroll yeah. back because <laughs> I don't think any of my family's uh, seen the post because they're not like they're not really in- into like a Facebook thing that's yeah I love to talk about it Ask me anything yeah
0: yeah yeah it was such an emotional post and I think that's why a lot of people resonated with it probably other people have gone through similar experiences for all of our listeners if you want to go check out Bonnie's post on the AHN Facebook group it's still there and I believe yes. she posted in February 2020 and it just yeah, if you, you search my so name likes. It'll come up. yeah if you search Bonnie's name <laughs> yeah. it'll come up and in the post post you did mention you did go through a very traumatic experience at a young yeah. age and i'm sure mm-hmm. this had such a great impact such an immense impact on who you are as a person today how that has shaped you into the t- decisions you wanted to make for your life if you don't mind if you want to share a little bit about how that experience
1: has impacted you as a person yeah um, i would definitely love to talk about that not just how it impacted but like how i came out i think a lot of people a lot of Asian female specifically have gone through those type of sexual abuse of some type for me it was specifically when I was a child so I was about six when I had gone through that full year of that and it happened just when I was a child and the neighbor was an older neighbor and then just every day would just come and my family my parents were working so nobody knew what was happening in that room and it lasted for a whole year and I think now it's easier for me to talk about because it's I've outed myself for so long now but I think at at such a young age you really don't have any power you're completely powerless because you're a child and I think that's the saddest part of it all is that it's not oh I was fighting for my life or I had a chance to fight I I had no chance to fight so it wasn't until I became a teenager that actually when I came to the U.S. around like 12 13 the year before I came that I had learned at school what those things are human body parts and you're not supposed to do this type of things until you're older or married or whatever and uh and then when you realize it like many years later what had happened to you as a kid you just go into this full like loss mode is what happens. And then you try to find someone to blame. And you try to tell someone, but you can't, because in the Asian culture, anything like that is just shameful. And if you are vocal about it, then your family is just going to shame you. And I think that at that point, I was already very aware of what was going to happen if I said something, and I just kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. And then even when I, at the lowest point, when I was going through that, and then my parents just decided, hey, let's ship her. She's So the reason why I left Hong Kong so soon at 13 was because they felt like I was acting out and I was not stable, but they never bothered to ask why. So they said, okay, she's acting out. She's She's not stable emotionally, psychologically, and we can't figure out why. They just said, okay, let's just send her away and let someone else help her or go to school and she'll be fine. So that's where it all started. And uh, when I came and in America, they talk about those sex things even more, right? In high school, people talk about it and middle school people talk about it. So I think when I went through very long periods of time of depression and just over self-blaming, you know, like, oh, maybe I'm the reason why all of this is happening. And that's why I'm punished to have to go through all this hardship for myself. So there was definitely a lot of confusion, a lot of self-blame and a lot of suicide attempts, many of those things, alcohol, drugs, and just lost. And I think navigating through all that, and then still finishing high school, finishing college, all of that was just like, I think I just Kept going just because I knew my dad was a very hard worker. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, okay, this has already passed. There is absolutely nothing I can do about it in present life. I can't go back and try to find this person. And actually, in my last podcast that I did with Paul, I actually found out that he died when I was in high school. One day I received a phone call from my brother and he said, Hey, did you know that so and so neighbor's son died? I was like, and then it just, I just froze. I just froze. I think I was a junior in high school. I was like, what do you mean he died? Apparently he was involved in some type of gang activity and uh, he had his hands tied behind his back and threw in the river and murdered. And at that point it was very traumatic for me because I had no idea how to process my emotion. So I reached out to a counselor at school, but I guess, I don't know, they sent me off to whatever agency counseling and they just prescribed me medication they just said oh sorry do you have pdst here's some here's a bottle of medication just antidepressant just get on it you'll be fine you'll feel happier you'll be better and that's when i became just wow okay so even if i spoke about it to a counselor it wasn't going to change anything so when i found that out, i said to myself okay there's no point of continuing on drowning into this suicidal thoughts because it's no, nothing's ever going to get better or change if i don't do anything about it and if i just sit there and cry about it myself and i don't think anything's going to change and i think that's how i slowly you know it. it's if you ask any you know one that has gone through this type of experience they will tell you it never the ghost never leaves you it just Absolutely. lives. You just have to find a place in yeah. your body or in your mind to put it away. And it will keep haunting you until until never. It just never stops. It's strength in ment like your your mental like strength, I feel like building that up and actually being able to distract myself with all the busy tasks that I had, with all the survival that I had to do was the one thing that kept me busy, kept me away from depression and wanting to continue to go down that path because I was busy surviving and I had no time to continue. I was trying to finish college, trying to get into a better life, trying to become an entrepreneur, trying to prove to my parents that, hey, you know what? You might think that I can never make it, but I did. And in order to do that, I needed some motivation and just something to keep me going. It's messed up as it sounds, but that's how I got through it was staying, surviving. And when you're surviving, you don't have time to think about bad things, sad things, because you're busy. And I know it sounds like just cliche, oh yeah, stay busy, get a hobby, but there's no real way to to get out of these situation and there's no real way to re- reverse trauma. So all you have to do is learn to cope with it and then eventually find passion in doing other things and helping other people and satisfying what you're passionate about. And I found that, which is in jewelry and diamonds. I know know this about myself as I get so excited every time I finish a piece or I design a new thing and it's going off the internet. People love it. And I think that really feeds my soul. And being able to share my journey, even through the platform that AHN has created and being able to have personal conversations with other women that basically asked me more or less, I had the same thing happen to me, but much later in life. And it's much more traumatic because I remember every single thing. And not like when you're a kid and you just now you don't remember all so clear, but to the women that remembers all these things crystal clear and asking for crying for help, really, oh yeah, they can put you on antidepressant or they can put you in a group, but sometimes people are not comfortable in a group setting and they want to find another way. And I don't know that I'm really, I know all the answers, obviously I don't, but the only thing I can do is share how I did it and how I stay focused on everything that I do. My household is very hectic, a husband and a child and a business and a thriving business, and it definitely keeps me busy. So I think it's making yourself happy and putting yourself first. It's incredibly important in this journey because if, for the longest time, I was just thinking, how would my parents feel if this got leaked? How shameful would their would they be of me if so and so found out? But when I posted on Ahn, that's when I realized I don't care how they feel because it was me who suffered all these years. For me, it's just liberating. I just talk about it openly because I don't got to worry about mommy and Daddy's feeling no more because they're good they're busy they live their lives and they get their things going on and here and there we talk we don't have the closest relationship that I can hope for but sometimes I realize like I just can't force my like Americanness on them and I have to understand that they come from a background and things of poverty that there are just things that in life that They can't understand. It's not that I'm trying to get them to understand, but there's just at one point, like you just can't resent your parents anymore just because they're busy hustling and they are busy providing for me and my brother too. So I can't really put all the blame and say, oh, I wish that they had done this and I wish that they had listened to me. They had no time. They were busy feeding me and my brother. Yeah. Is it sad that I wish they had more time? Sure. That I resent some of the things that they have done? Sure. But... I'm too old for that now. No, I'm like, I'm too busy to resent anyone. I'm just busy making my own dream come true. And now the real freedom that I can feel from all of this is my success is my freedom. Now that I get to go places and I get to say, you know what, I want this or I want to order this. And my dad has always said the real success is one day if you walk into a restaurant and you don't have to look at the price of the menu i don't know how to calculate success otherwise but it always comes with food for him it's like if i can order anything on the menu and never look at the price he's like that's the one day that i know i'm successful and i feel like i'm successful because i'm there i can go into a restaurant and order whatever and i can feed whatever to my son whatever my family my friends and i don't have to feel like pressured or anything so In that way, I feel like I've succeeded. I know I'm not like on the top 500 featured young Forbes star, but I feel successful and fulfilled in my own ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that you're at that level now. And success, it can be relative. And we all have different meanings of success. Going back to your story, there's just so much to unpack there. And I'm so sorry that you... (sighs) had to go through such a traumatic experience. I'm so sorry that you couldn't feel like you could go to your parents to talk about it. I'm sure that must've been such a hard time. And as a young child, as a young child, it's, you don't know what's right from wrong. You don't know if it's the right thing to do to go to your parents or to not. And it can be really tough. And I think that, especially like you know the mental health services system. How you mentioned, like they just prescribed
1: you antidepressants. It's I've, really lacking in this. It country. is really mental lacking, health, and it's yeah, really. Not it is. About. Yeah, and but I feel like, and in youth as well, in right? Youth as well. That's, exactly. That's the biggest part too. Yeah,
0: and I feel like the therapists and counselors, a lot of them, not all of them, they just don't take the time to understand the situation because. Let's say if someone comes to them with suicidal thoughts or they feel yeah, like yeah. harming themselves or yeah. even if they say something close to that, it's a lot of the mm-hmm. times they get redirected to the police department and yes. the therapist doesn't actually take the time to understand the situation. A lot of us as people who are looking or seeking mental health services, we don't even want to do that anymore because we fear of getting reported to the police because of what yeah. we're going through, because we we have these thoughts in our mind. So I'm sorry that you had to have that experience. and. The fact that I think you mentioned a really important topic is like the reverse trauma. Yeah. A lot of people often ask victims of sexual harassment or sexual assault, like, how did you move on from that? But the reality is you don't actually move on. There are some days where you can suppress it and you have good days. And sometimes you won't think of it, but it will always be with you. It'll always come up every now and then. And it's huh. something that it's will always hold you. definitely a long-term
1: demon, though. It
0: is, video. yeah. I'm just so happy to see that you are starting to think for yourself now, instead of your parents, instead of like external factors or yeah. other people in your life. And now you are doing something that makes you happy, right? Something that yeah. you are truly passionate about. Something that keeps you busy. Something that keeps you Going. just...
1: Going, yeah, yeah. I feel um, like I'm definitely living the American dream for yeah, sure. And yeah, I'm very happy about that. And I feel like there is just not enough places in the world where people can speak out. I feel I feel like that's why AHN is such an incredible community. And I feel like this is even more powerful than any psych appointment that you can get because just the amount of people that would offer support and anything that you need. I encourage anybody that's listening to this and if they need anything at all, reach out to me. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: Thank you so much, Bonnie. So I do want to talk a little bit about By Bonnie Jewelry. And yeah, we all know that The industry is so male dominated. And that's such an ironic thing because women, we love to wear jewelry. We love to wear wings. We love to wear Mm -hmm. fancy stuff and shiny Mm -hmm. stuff, but Mm -hmm. it is really male dominated. And (laughs) and there's a lot of money that goes into that industry. So I can see old money. Exactly. And I love that you're adding a feminine touch to it, which is something that we don't see all the time. So tell us just a little bit about what you've been working on with by Bonnie jewelry and uh, how you were able to add your feminine touch and just I just want to know what experiences you've had since starting by Bonnie in a way where you were able to empower and uplift more women in this industry yeah. or just your customers yeah. in general
1: there's a few key points I want to bring up is like the way this generation how they shop for things in general 15-20 years ago when I first started it was still very like oh the guy go by go. And Buys whatever ring surprises the girl, and then the girl's not involved at all. But now, fast forward 20 years, every woman that I talk to, almost every single one of them know what they want and which makes me really proud because the dynamic has really is really changed and it's sad that the industry itself hasn't really changed that much because it's still very male dominated. And you'll hear if I pick up the phone and then talk to like diamond diamond dealers in New York and they'll just be like that typical like ah and just they don't even want to talk to you. Actually when I was working for my dad in Asia, if the customer walked through and you're female and even though you're the boss, they'd be like, Oh, I want to talk to your dad or your somebody else that's in charge. I'm like, oh, no, I'm in charge here. Oh, no, no, I want to talk to a man, not you. It's really interesting. But um, ever since I started by Bonnie, the whole concept was that I've been to so many jewelry stores, like just for even for myself, like just going shopping for jewelry. And the industry just hasn't changed for so many years. It's the same and the same. You either have a big box which is like tiffany cartier i don't know shane company and it's very just not very personal just like you go in you're either very intimidated like they want to see like okay today i need to close this many commission deals so i need to see who's buying right like they need to go and figure out like hey you're interested in this oh that's really beautiful just buy it like buy today and you'll love it i'll give you a discount all that stuff and i feel like the industry was just like so lacking of what to understand like the style of women. Like nowadays we have people that like they dress up, they dress down. Not everyone it's like, you know, we want to be in sportswear, yoga pants, and we want to be comfortable sometimes, dressy sometimes. There's no real advice from any of these people that are like, oh, I think you should do this to your ring or do that or buy this or buy that too. That's suitable for your current lifestyle. There's no real One, just molding into something that really custom for that person's lifestyle. So there's a lot of custom pieces that are being made, but people don't ask the right questions. Or they'll be like, oh, the guy and the girl's shopping for some things. And and then the salesman, I have had clients tell me, they just keep looking at the guy where the wallet is. And they're not listening to what we want as women. They're just looking at the pocket and the money and just say, hey, sir, do this, do that. And the girl's talking. They're not listening and it's a big mistake. Whoever, whichever jeweler or whatever you're listening, big mistake. These days we know what we want and we are not afraid to voice our opinion and happy wife, happy life. So you really should focus on getting what she wants. And I think that's when I come in and bridge the gap. I think the styling advice that I offer, I have clients that are in the medical field, surgeon, nurses, for healthcare, just any type in the police department or just anything that requires a lot of work with their hands. They don't know. They go and get this ring and then it's too flimsy and it breaks. So I often make a lot of recommendations on people trying on different things that would fit them as far as the lifestyle and the shape of their hands. And I feel like the education about all of those things are missing. Because at any time that you type diamond ring, You just get a bunch of like paid blogger that, oh, we're affiliated with blah, blah blah.com, but we're not trying to sell you anything, but here's my opinion about what you should buy. And it's always focused on only the center stone, only the gem, but no one ever talks about how incredibly important it is, the setting and the design that holds the gem. And that's where my specialty comes in. And if you start watching any of my videos, I keep repeating like that in itself. And I feel like that's really opened up a lot of people's eyes about how to look at a piece of jewelry. Or most people are like, oh, a piece of jewelry. Oh, you're either walking into Tiffany and pay top dollar for something, or you go into, I don't know, Zales or Jared. And then even the in between smaller boutique, you'll find some really good ones. But I really focus on the craftsmanship. And that's what I teach. I teach about things that are not brought up, at all what to look out for and tips and tricks on things to do and I think that's what my viewers really enjoy is they get to see things that are actually tried on me and I make a lot of videos trying things on and I think People just feel like I'm more personal when I'm talking to them about building something for them. And I really want to have their best interest in mind rather than just, oh, today I'm just commissioned to close a really big sale on a really big diamond. Sometimes, actually, a lot of times I catch myself telling them, hey, don't buy something so expensive because you're... You're going to lose it or your lifestyle doesn't allow it or it's just silly. I'll be that brutal, honest friend that you don't really want to hear. But what that friend is saying is true. I'm always that person. I think that's where I'm at, how I started by Bonnie and made it different. And how many people out there in the world resonate with this experience?
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That is so true. My goodness. like Every time I see photos of rings, it's always the gem, like it always focuses on the gem or what shape you want. It's always, oh, I know I want round. I know I want pear. I know I want oval. Sure. So I like. I'm the same way. I didn't realize that there's so much that goes into it, like the crown and like how yeah. the, what the gem is sitting on. Absolutely. I didn't even know any of that until recently because all of the photos that I saw, it just had the bird's eye view of the ring yeah. or the, oh, of yeah. the gem. Yeah, and yeah. so you never really it never has a side view or it never yeah. shows what the gem is sitting on that is just as important
1: as the gem right? oh my god it's you should watch more. my videos i have so many transformation video that come to me specifically fly all over the world and show me their like what they bought online like the botched job and then the transformation i, I have a series on that you should really check it out it's, it's <laughs> i will really check it out fun to watch because you're like oh my god can't believe you did that and then they happily did it until later when they found my video they're like oh wait a minute i don't know if you're I think this I need to return this (laughs) so it's really interesting to watch all the reactions and all the feedback which are my passion is able to help clients feel really happy and when they come for their appointment and they get their that sparkle that that really dream ring and they're just like their expression if I get a penny or a dollar every time they get a good reaction I think I've
0: That's amazing. I will definitely check that out.
1: (laughs) It fills my heart. Honestly, I'm so lucky to be in a trade where I'm literally making people a sentiment piece to celebrate their love and marriage and special occasion, anniversary, baby, childbirth, graduation, all the milestones in life being celebrated with a sentimental piece. And I'm really proud of always being a a small part. And I think that's what really feeds my soul is to watch those and- that helps me with some of my demons.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, Bonnie, what is next for you and by Bonnie jewelry in the next
1: five years? <laughs> it's crazy because I'm starting to do more collaboration. I just finished a collaboration with this really famous diamond painter called Angie Crabtree. And she invited me to her exhibition to do a really exclusive interview. I'm flying out to New York to do a vlog style introduction to one of the one of the laboratory that grades diamond, who has the the most advanced cutting technology grading technology for diamonds and the president invited me to do which they've never would never open their doors to anyone for the laboratory because the equipments that they have and the things that they have are private and I'm being invited to do a tour there and talk about it and teach my consumer about diamond grading how to grade how do we Great color clarity. What is the technology that makes cuts? And I'm going to be able to zoom in and talk to their senior demologist and all the founder of the company. So I'm getting these crazy opportunities. And I think that's. What my next five, 10 years would look like. I would love to just travel and do more content for just fun and education. And of course, make my pieces as well. Education and bringing fun stuff and happy stuff into people's life is always what I love. So I think I'm going to continue doing that. I'm moving into a much bigger space by the end of this month. So we're going into 2000 square feet space where I'm going to have a full shooting studio and a bigger showroom. And we only do private appointments. So all of that is really working out because when people fly in for their appointment they they feel really special. It's definitely a unique experience than just walking in. Everything is tailored for you. Like before your arrival, we choose all your stones for you. We know everything that you want and we show you everything and customize everything on site for you. I'm going to continue doing that. A lot of people ask me if I'm going to expand to the East Coast and like open different offices. But I think, I think not. I think for me, keeping things intimate, it's still a big part of me. And I definitely don't want to commercialize my business. I'm just going to keep making pieces. I They're like babies to me. So I just keep making babies one at a time. I'm very old school and I like to connect with my clients. And obviously I have limited time to how many clients I can connect in a day. So that's kind of where I am. I just want to continue building that.
0: Yeah, that's so exciting. And let me know when the showroom is open. I will definitely try to check oh, that out. Yeah, if you ever
1: come by for sure. Yeah, I would love to check it tour. out. And if I ever come to Vegas, I will definitely would love to meet. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. So, Bonnie, we have one last question for you. And that is yeah. if you could give one advice to someone who is trying to get into the jewelry
1: industry. Yeah. What would that one advice be? I have to give one advice. This is a hard question. They want to get into jewelry, you have to see your like you have, you have to be able to see your vision very clearly. What is it that you can't just op- want to get into the jewelry trade and be like, "Oh yeah, I want to sell some jewelry." What I do changes the way things are and changes how people look at the perspective of diamonds and jewelry. I feel like if you're going to get in now in such a competitive business, of jewelry there's so many jewelers and so grandfathered in because it's such a old business you really gotta come up with a fresh breath of how you want to change it and what are you offering to people that will make them feel like wow this is something that i never seen or different approach. That's where you got to focus on that niche of finding your own. I know it sounds cliche, like, oh, find your own niche. But in in jewelry, it's specifically important. If you don't have one and you're all over the place, like, oh, I can do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You'll never get anywhere because the pull is just so big and you're just going to drown in it. You're just going to find what you're truly passionate about and what you feel like what you do can change that one thing. And that's that one thing that really is impactful for people, that's what you got to focus on. Focus on how you're going to change people's lives and how you're going to always offer something before you think you can take something. And that's always, the universe has its own way of things. If you give enough, you will get back in a way that you would never imagine how you get back. And if you always just take and you never give, like you, you might be able to get to a certain point, but you won't, there's just an empty soul underneath that. Like you gotta just give, and then the universe will tell you, you know what, you're a great giver. You are servant of the community, and it will come, just like you guys. I feel like going back to AHN, wrapping this up, you guys are giving so much of your time and energy by connecting all these people. Yeah, you're behind the scene. You might not be in every single one of the conversations that's being had, but rest assured that you're giving. And I feel like everything that you guys are getting back now is just the beginning. And I'm excited to see how this can grow into a crazy worldwide platform. Maybe eventually we can get Asian youth community I would love to be a part of that if you guys ever come up with something like that, because there's such a huge part of just the Asian youth community that also needs guidance and help. And I feel if I had to put something on AHN, like besides the business part, that's what I would love to see. Because all of these people, they're a hustler and they're, you know, they they all have kids. A lot of people mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And I feel like if we can create a separate community to keep those kids going, maybe create Asian scholarships and things and putting things together and grouping these children together and giving them more guidance as I didn't get any as a child. I think that would be the next step of Asian or changing the world. That's (laughs) what I think. That's what I'm passionate about. And yeah, uh, I would love to see that happen someday. Yeah. The next generation Uh, is our future. It is our future.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And oh. thank you so much yeah. for that advice. And yeah. the one thing that I got away from it is to continue giving and to make sure that you're, you're doing something to stand out because there's just so much competition out there. You really have to find what makes you
1: special. Yeah, and in fun. every industry, in every industry. Yeah. Right. But when your passion really shows through and everything that you don't have to sell yourself when your passion comes through people see that passion and they want to attach themselves to that because it's a positive energy that they want to be a part of
0: and that's really yeah Yeah. so bonnie where can our listeners find out more about you and buy bonnie jewelry
1: online i'm definitely the most active on instagram and youtube i make a new youtube video every saturday there's going to be either education about diamonds or featuring couples or me doing fun things or definitely follow me and subscribe to my channel because it's really fun. Instagram is just, you know, we post stuff all the time. So those are the two places. But if you are interested in me doing something for you, you can go to my website. I'm working on bettering it. I'm so busy. Bybonniejewelry.com. That's how you can get a hold of me. And if you search YouTube, just buy Bonnie. I'm all over the place. <laughs> awesome. We'll leave
0: all of yeah, that in the easy, show notes of this fun. episode. Bonnie, it was amazing having you on the podcast today. Thank you so Thank much for sharing you your story with us. Me.
1: I've been definitely, this has been on my to-do list, but it's just, life is so busy. Yeah. And then I had Pamela, which is my social media manager. So she was like, just do it. Just reach out because I'm trying. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, they're so successful now. Like, they don't want me. They have other people. Like, they're really hung <laughs> on the show. They don't need me anymore. So no. It was just uh, I like, definitely need you. I feel definitely the honor is my part, for sure. Yeah. Thank Love you so be. much. Absolutely.
0: Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. And thank you guys so much.